Hey, this turns out okay. that today, randomly, we didn't we didn't know it. No, did, that um, this is the memorial of Saint Corona, who is the patron of plagues and pandemics, of course. <laughs> like, what is what are the odds feels, of that? That feels so bizarre to me. Which you guys, we didn't know that when we planned to do this live podcast. And actually, it's I get it's one of my little frustrations with being a Catholic, not with the church. But Catholicism is confusing because we have a right. lot of years of history on stuff, and there's different lists of saints whose feast days, and this comes from the ancient Roman martyrology, which comes from the early centuries. But in the in the new liturgical calendar, Saint Matthias is actually his feast day today, and so it's Matthias and Corona, which sounds like a mixed drink. Now that I say it out loud, dude, I think that um, if anybody uh, is at home and it's five o'clock, it's five o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock in Toronto, so you can no, make not. a Matthias and Corona. Not true. Like that's what I want to know. Oh my There's got to be something that can be done right You'd now think. in Australia. In Australia, it's like I don't know. It's middle of the night. You know, somebody's somebody's live streaming, hanging out Presumably. on the beach with a mask on so that they don't inhale the burning stuff that's happening. And a Corona and Matthias. <laughs> and in Corona <laughs> and Matthias in hand. Okay, so um, uh, this, uh, oh, and I'm, I'm sorry if, uh, I, we're trying a new thing so that you can see our faces as we talk. I'm trying to switch it so as we're things. talking with Part- my left hand on my controller right here. You can see that. Well, just a word on why we're doing it. Obviously, I mean, we, we, and we, we joke around, but we're, we are trying to do our best to take the, seriously the, the social distancing. We are over six feet apart, but when we usually do a live podcast or videoed, we're right next to each other. And so we have all these different cameras set up so you don't have to watch us from way over there and we can kind of flip back and forth. And so right. it's kind of cool. Tech, techno Father Peter over there. Yeah, yeah. I feel really pretty cool. Um, you are. And, and, and we wished we, we should wear, we're wearing sunglasses so it looks like we're looking at the camera better. But because uh, we're looking at each other, so we're looking past the camera, not necessarily at the live audience. Those are the best kind of documentaries when the people are looking at each other, not directly at the camera. That's true. That's that's I'm like breaking the fourth wall. Yes, you can't break the fourth wall, which is like the new thing. Okay, we've gone on for a very long time. Can I just say really quickly that we don't have, <laughs> maybe this goes without saying, but we don't really have a huge agenda today. We actually just wanted to do a live. Like there's not a huge event or occasion. We just wanted to see you guys and we wanted to be on screen and just, I don't know, remind you that we're still here. Remind you in a certain sense that all of our churches are still here and all of our ministries are still here. Sometimes, you know, we're distant from them, but this is just for fun. It's just to connect with you guys and give another outlet for, you know, to get the message of the gospel out. Just, yeah, um, your parishes are still there. Your priests are still there. Your campus ministers and youth ministers and everything else, they're all still there. So don't forget uh, that the church is strong and it's fighting, even though it's not always seen in these times. I was thinking about it for this reason. That if ever the church would be forced to cross-train, okay? So, Tell me more. Is that is the church, uh, it's easy to say, you know what, virtual life is something elsewhere. It's off doing something else. And yeah. and we can forget that the, the, the entire world is at our fingertips as a people who are meant to proclaim the gospel. Yeah. And so every single one of us have been forced in some way or another to utilize the power of mass communication. Absolutely. 
and so th- this is like a this is just a it's a really it's kind of a fun thing like it is kind and, of fun and um and so really like today our whole thing is is is, is um fl- you know flip flops and bow ties dude that's flip like flops and bow ties and coronas and matthias coronas and matthias um that what you just said i think at least for me and for my study ties in perfectly to the first reading so well, why don't we jump in? Why don't we jump in? Okay, um, so today we have the sixth Sunday of Easter, um, and uh, well, we're doing the sixth Sunday of Easter. We're not, you know what I'm saying. We've, we've talked about this today enough. Our first reading, <laughs> <laughs> our first reading is from Acts of the Apostles. Every single time I've said Acts of the Apostles. Here we go. In Mass, I feel like I over-enunciate because I'm because trying, trying not to say Because you're trying not to say, say Acts, Acts body spray. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is in honesty why we're six feet. Right, right. So too much body spray today. eight, five to eight, jumping 14 to 17. Very good. Our responsorial psalm is from Psalm 66, verses 1 to 3, 4 to 5, 6 to 7, 16 and 20, with the response coming from 1. Our segundo reading is First Peter chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. Yes, indeed. And our gospel is coming from the gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. Awesome. Well, that was a great podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I just, uh, you know, it's a good podcast when we've already done that twice. <laughs> no, did you do that? Already? Well, I did it when the live stream went down. So I don't know if anybody heard that. <laughs> which that seemed appropriate because we really were done. Yeah. Yeah. For that moment. Um, I love, I love being in the acts of the apostles. I just have to say the what like, of the apostles, the acts of the apostles, acts like body spray. Ah, okay, sorry. Dude, that's, that's my joke. Bro. I know <laughs> what you just talked about. Oh, uh, I'm just yeah, trying to yeah. roll. I'm trying to be with you. Well, you are, you're always with me, Scott. Thanks, man. So talk to me. Okay. I'll talk. Sorry. I said I had a lot to say. Um, oh, what do I say? How do, how do we, okay. Here's. Last week, last week on Peter and Friends. So last week, though, in Acts of the Apostles, we got the very beginning of chapter 8, right? I think that came from chapter 8, which was the ordination of the church's first deacons, right? And so the church recognized that there's this problem. There's literally, you, you did it well in your homily this Sunday, there's really discrimination going on. And so the church sees a problem in the world, figures, okay, how do we respond in light of Jesus Christ? And they adapt and they restructure and we, and we figure out what to do. And, and it's, it's what kind of got my mind thinking about what you said just in the midst of the way the world is. I'll, I'll say that. Well, there's a lot I want to say. So, okay, so we had the deacons ordained last week, right? In the reading from last time, a couple of verses oh, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we have um, one of those first deacons, a guy named Philip, who goes out to Samaria. And what I want to say is that the reason that he begins... So, how do I... Let's put it this way. At the very beginning of Acts of the Apostles, in chapter 1, literally in verse 8, Jesus, right before he ascends into heaven, gives the church, gives the apostles essentially the table of contents for what the early church is going to look like. He gives them the agenda and the geographic chronology, right? And he says, and he gives literally the table of contents for the book of Acts. And Jesus says, okay, you're about to receive the Holy Spirit, which is going to happen at Pentecost, which I think is in two weeks now, right? Yeah, yeah. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you're going to go and be my witnesses basically in three different major locations. First in Jerusalem. And so chapters 1 through 7 of Acts of the Apostles is the story of the church's witness in Jerusalem to the leaders in the Sanhedrin and some converts and everything else, right? Chapters 8 through 12, which we enter into right now, is the church's ministry out to Judea and into Samaria, right? Which Samaria is the home of 
what used to be the 10 tribes of Israel that broke off during the Civil War and, you know, got annihilated by the Assyrians and are intermarried. And so the semblance of what is left of what used to be the broader tribes of Israel, that's who lives in Samaria. And what we know from the New Testament is that there's very bad blood between the Jewish people and the Samarians because things are always most difficult in family problems. And it's a family problem that, you know, now you we left got us bad blood. blood. We used to be all alone. Dude, there's nothing better than being a dad and just getting the lyrics wrong. And I can't edit any of that out <laughs> because we're live. Okay. Um, yeah, but, so there's tons, of, there's tons of bad blood going on in Samaria. Yeah. So, but the re, and so this is the moment that the church begins to go to Samaria and Judea. And then by chapter 13, we'll have the church begin to go out to the ends of the earth with Paul kind of going to the Gentile churches. But the reason I, I point this out is that what drives the church out of Jerusalem? So again, for the first seven chapters, which is multiple years, I think we, we don't give full credit to, you know, the chapters that were, were being given in Acts of the Apostles. I mean, chapters one through seven, I think is about two years, which is a while that there, I mean, if you think about what the church is and what we know of the church for two full years after Pentecost, they don't leave. They're like, this is our job. This is our mission ends of the earth. I mean, that, I don't know what that means exactly. Like, there's no sense that this should be a worldwide thing. This is need to tell all the Jewish people that what they've been waiting for has come. That's but, what's important. But the, here's the question. Is that like, did, didn't Jesus give them a plan though? Absolutely. Yeah. But Jesus gave a lot of things that, I mean, this is where hindsight and the Holy Spirit are 2020, right? And you can look back and be like, oh, I mean, there's a, there's a million things in our lives where we're going to look back even on this period and be like, Oh, that's what God meant. That's what God was doing. That's, and, and this is a perfect example of that because the only thing, and maybe there was some sense that eventually we'll do this. I don't, I don't really know. What we do know is what drives the church out of Jerusalem in this sort of comfort area, which isn't that comfortable because they're being persecuted there, but it's the persecution that drives them out. So the only thing that really gets the church spreading to become a worldwide reality to fulfill what Jesus said to them in the first place is opposition and obstruction and persecution. Trials make the church what it is. And there's just a principle that we can't avoid in that. And so the reason I, I was thinking about what you were saying earlier is that what it, what's the story of the church? The church constantly faces obstacles. The church constantly faces opposition. And whether it be, and you know, I don't, I'm not trying to get into any of this. The world's a crazy mess right now. So whether you're stressed out about disease and pandemic and health crises, or whether you're stressed out about government control and conspiracies and, and real, you know, other kinds of oppression, it really doesn't matter because fear is fear. And right. when we let fear define us on any side of that, we actually lose historical sight of how God has used the church. And what the church does when she faces trials, when she faces obstructions, when she faces obstacles or persecution, is she adapts. And she says, cool, cool, we're not allowed to be in Jerusalem anymore. What do we do now? Oh, they're being discriminated over. Okay, let's adjust. Let's change the way we do it. And the thought that, yeah, again, we're starting to reintroduce in-person masses, which is beautiful and amazing, but... I think there was a lot of people that were just like, this is going to ruin the church. This is going to destroy everything. We're going to lose. And that's never been the mindset of the church. The church says, okay, we can't have mass. What do we do? Let's adapt. Let's right. figure out, let's figure out what to do. Let's right. be guided by the Holy Spirit, but we adapt. Always we adapt. Right. And that's actually an interesting thing. I have, I was obsessed with a, um, with a document called Etates Nove, okay. which was uh, a reflection on the means of social communication from the, the, uh, uh, 
uh, Communia Progressio from Vatican Council II, which, okay. is, which was the document about the means of social communications. And there's one okay. line, whole document, and it, it, it says, is that people's experience of reality is oftentimes, uh, uh, people's experience of reality oftentimes is an experience of media itself. So that Say that one more time. People's, people's experience, experience of reality is an experience of media. Which is being said in what, 1968? 64? That, uh, that is 78, because it's a, it's a re- reflection oh, an of community of progressive. Okay, got it. Yeah, but still, but that's in the a, 70s. Yeah, so the church, in a oh. certain sense, has already philosophically yeah. had a view towards this reality. Right. But as the church, we might have great ideas, but the implementation of those ideas is always the, the thing. And so St. Corona, I think that she, she's going to mm-hmm. have a, I think she, we should, uh, we should actually declare her the patron saint of live streaming. Why not? Yeah. Somebody should. So yeah. might as well be us. There's a dude, weed whacker outside. Dude, th- That's th- what you get when you go live, man. Yeah, this th- is th- all right. We adapt. Did we adapt? We overcome. <laughs> we improvise. <laughs> but there is something so beautiful about that. I, I read some. It was sparked online this morning. It was something, you know, one of a million things that's inundated. And it was something like somebody who was kind of fear-mongering. It was something like, you know, we are at risk of of losing, you know, erasing the memory of the church from the modern world. And I'm like, whatever dangers we face, the church ain't going to be erased from the memory of the modern world. That's not how it works. And that's such a short-sighted historical view of the church. And we thrive, and not, to, not that we pray for persecution, but we thrive when there are obstacles. That's just reality. That's right, when that, the greatest saints come. That's when the most innovative stuff in the church shows well, up. Well, no, that's a design principle. Yes. Is constraints yeah. create better design. Absolutely. Yeah, um, Absolutely. <laughs> Kim, can you ask us some to weed stop? Can you just go outside and uh, and make that request? Sorry, we got some weeding going on. Yeah, yeah we just got that. You, you know, <laughs> this is this is America. Yeah, I like it. And it, it, this is such a fascinating reading, and we can move on. But uh, we didn't really talk about the reading that much. But really, this is what the reading is about: is that Philip is sort of driven out into the realms of Samaria, which is not where any good Jew really wants to be. It's the, these are the enemy; these are the people we don't like; these are the parts of the family that we do not interact with. But persecution actually drives him out there. And he, what does he do when he's out there? He's like, "I don't want to be here. This is not the location I want to be doing my job." So what does he do? Well, I'm going to preach. I'm going to tell him about Jesus Christ because that's what I do, and that's what we do. And even if I'm not where I want to be or doing what I want to be doing. I find a way to preach Jesus Christ regardless. And all these unclean spirits start coming out and possessed people are being changed and people are being right. healed and there's great joy. We jump over this part about Simon the Magician. I know. Simon I Magus. That, yeah, Magus. Which, which I actually... It's an interesting story. It's an interesting story. Basically, here's a guy. He's a magician. He becomes converted, but then he doesn't actually convert because then he tries to actually purchase confirmation. Yeah, and I think part of why Luke includes that in his story is that Simon Magus is incredibly famous and well-known. And so part of it is is not, not name-dropping in the negative sense, but part of it is Luke showing all of his readers, like, even Simon Magus, you've all heard of Simon Magus, like, you've heard of this guy. Even he, like, dropped to what was going on here and saw this and was moved by it. Now, it wasn't a movement in, unto real conversion because no. he's like, hey, how much can I buy your miracle work for? But, but to <laughs> yeah, show exactly. that what Philip is doing is so significant, it catches the attention even of this incredibly prominent supposed wonder worker that everybody has heard of. Even he was moved and stopped dead in his tracks by the power of this deacon who's out doing his thing. 
which is cool. So it also shows the power of the diaconate. Yeah, yeah. Quite frankly, we actually I'm very excited. We have a we have a deacon who's going to be come up coming up with us, a deacon John Stapleton. Stapleton. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. awesome. And we have a newly ordained priest who um, just was announced. Can we announce to this us. publicly? Are we allowed I, to say this? I don't know. Okay, we are allowed to announce this publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we wait me. until Sunday. Yeah, yeah. We we're gonna wait. And uh, but he's he's a wonderful man, and I'm very excited to have him. But th- this is this is actually I think. I want to actually skip the psalm and go right to the second reading because there's so many good things, but we have to talk about I think the we can do that, though. I do want, the one last thing I want to say, and this is more of a technical piece, but, but it's important. Some technical stuff is important. Right. Um, Philip is a deacon, and that's important. He's genuinely ordained. This is a reality. People are receiving the Holy Spirit. They're accepting the Word of God. Presumably, they're being baptized. Not presumably. It says they're being baptized, right, by Philip. Right. And then what happens? Peter and John go down... And bring the lars of the church with them. They bring the rest of the church, the representation of the church. And they're like, okay, this is happening. Because again, it wasn't immediately obvious that this was the trajectory the gospel was supposed to take. Like, yeah, we tell the Jews that this has happened, but they're realizing, oh, wait a second, God is doing something new. And as the magisterium of the church we got to adjust. We better go down. Okay, this is where God is working. We're going to leave Jerusalem and we're going to go down and see what Philip's doing because we have to bring the church to where God is working, to where the grace of God is. It also is the one, I think that's the first like explicit reference to what we understand as confirmation because these people, they're baptized. Philip baptized them. Deacons have full authority to baptize and they go on. They're like, but they don't fully have the Holy Spirit yet. So you're like, well, wait, they they were baptized though. And they're like, yeah, but there's something more, which is what was given to us at Pentecost. So this is one of the places the church looks to, to be like, yeah, this is how confirmation works. It's an extension. It's, it's a, a a fulfillment and a a step two of baptism. Right. But it's cool. I like how we kind of get like, this is how the church works. This is the church showing how we adjust and how we do things. And this is how we operate. And I, I think the only thing that we need to say about the Psalm really is that, I mean, what's happening let all of the earth cry out to God with joy. What's happening in the first reading? Well, all of the earth, even the parts of it that we weren't really expecting it to, is crying out to God with joy because we've gone to them and we've found that the Holy Spirit's already at work when we show up to the places we didn't even know we needed to go. They're already crying out to God with joy. So what does the church do? We adjust. We go. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and we act accordingly. Which, I, yeah. that's what the psalm's doing, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so, too. I mean... Um, it's it's interesting because the um, there's a one linkage in a word that goes from the psalm into the second reading, which is okay. here now. All you who fear God, and it says oh. um, and says uh, do it with gentleness and reverence. And actually, the word for reverence and for fear in um, in the the midst of these two words is actually this phobos. Um, reverence can be phobos. A fear uh, either oh, fear, fear reverence. reverence. Yeah. And so it's it's an interesting thing that that we actually even started talking in the first reading about how mm. how like what is fear versus how um, what is um, reverential what is when does it transform into awe or what is the difference between because that's a fine is, line you a, know because because to actually respect something and to be in awe of it and then also to be afraid is in the same zone mm. oftentimes I think what we talk about when we mean fear is we mean anxiety we mean something that's like yep. twisted and and and, messed, and 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 that's actually where I, I I was actually meditating sitting there going like how did people talk about their problems in 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 the ancient world? They didn't have psychologists. 
You know, they didn't yeah. have like, where did you go? And how did we even understand an emotional and an emotional processing? And how did the passions integrate? And what does it mean to actually talk to one another? And so that we can move from just being like tweaked out by something saying, no, I recognize its power. And I see that. Well, this is the thing. And this is where I don't know what to do with Phobos, which is the Greek word in this case. But in, in the English render, I mean, when we think of it, I mean, this is what I always forget. And I guess it bears saying just because I need to hear it. Yeah. Fear is a neutral emotion. Emotion. It just happens. Sometimes right. we're afraid of things. The question, so sometimes I feel like, oh, I shouldn't be afraid. You'll be afraid. I mean, but fear just happens. Jesus is afraid because it's not a choice he's making. The question is always what we do with that neutral emotion when it comes. And well, I was. Well, this is actually what's complicated too, though, is that it's also the fact that. It's a complicated emotion, but it arrives from both a thought and then leads to another thought. I mean, the whole yes, epistemological absolutely. process. I mean, you can't stay in fear. No, no. The fear can't. comes to you, and then we're going to respond in one way or another. Right. We're going to succumb to it. We're going to cower to it. We're going to be courageous. We're going to be like Jack Shepard and Lost and count to 10 <laughs> and let the fear in and then be done with You're it. You're watching Lost again. That's how, <laughs> yeah. That's how it's fresh in you. <laughs> but I'm thinking about that in terms of what you're saying, though. We should have a sort of objective fear when we think about how big God is. That should be like, whoa. And then again, the question is, okay, what do you do with that? Do we cower? And I think there's a lot of us who go to church and are regular, you know. I think there's a lot of people, quite frankly, that go to church because they're just afraid. I think I might go to hell if I don't. I'm just, I'm going to go to mass every Sunday because I know I'm supposed to. And I'm kind of terrified to find out what happens if I don't. Like that's a response. There's people who are like, I was raised with this fear and this horrible thing, so I'm never going to Mass again. I'm going to rebel against it because I was raised to be afraid. And then there's sort of a third option, which is what I think the scriptures are getting to, recognizing this is so much bigger than me. And this is so far outside of my control. So I'm going to give myself in love and in trust to this God that I know is bigger and does evoke a kind of fear. And I'm going to respond with reverence, not cowering, not rebellion. Right. This is where I We're think not fighting, that yeah. that's why the, the whole uh, movement of God in the uh, ex- giving of the Holy Spirit is that actually we need assistance to be able to move from what the natural experience good. is into, mm, into allowing the, the experience mm. of awesomeness and power and glo- the glory and, and like the, the intensity of what we experience to be transformed into something that uh, um, we can understand. It's because, it's, okay, we, we have this word in the second reading. I'm going to send you an advocate, a paracletus. Even the gospel. In, is that in the gospel? It's in the gospel, yeah. Okay, I'm just, I'm just like, um, oh yeah, that's right. Brought to life in the spirit. I'm just looking for the spirit. I just want to do what well, we the can jump. We can jump there. Can I say one thing about the second reading yeah, before yeah, yeah, we absolutely. do? Absolutely. I just want to read the context that it comes in because there's a part of me that really is bummed out that we don't get the two verses prior to this because the two verses prior. Wait, what am I? What am I looking at? First Peter. There it is. Everything's fine. Don't worry about. It. Don't good. worry about me. Everything's okay. Awesome. So what we get, sorry, what we get is, beloved, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Which there's there's a, a fairly clear connection with Philip in the first reading. He's like, here I am. I'm preaching Christ. People are responding, and I'm ready. Basically, to be ready wherever you are in the world, wherever God leads you, even if it's in a pandemic, even if it's online, which is not you know Plan A. Always be ready. To right. adjust, always be right. You know, you, 
And this is to your great credit. And I know a lot of churches and ministries have done amazing, really stepped up to this challenge. But I did watch you as this whole crisis started. You were so quick and you were one of the first that I noticed to be like, all right, here's how we're putting everything online. Here's how we're going to do masses. Now, like, we're going to adapt immediately. This is what's happening. I see what's going on. I'm right. not going to cower in fear. I'm not going to get ticked off. We're going to adapt and we're going to do it immediately so people have access. That's, in a certain sense, what Peter's talking about here. Right. I, I know it's not an explanation in the same way, but always be ready to be reasonable about wooing in the faith and how you're being led. Right. Well, th this is interesting because it's apologia. So, yeah. so yeah. What, what happens is that you, you have the, the great uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman, uh, Apologia saint. Pro Vita Sua. Yeah, just the, declared a saint? Yeah, just declared a saint. And, and, and like, um, it, the did you already word, Did you say saint? I said great. So that's, that's Either way. He's, yeah, he's, he's, awesome. he's pretty awesome. <laughs> but like the whole idea of an apology is not only merely explanation, but it's, it's a defense. It's a, it's, it's who are we? Um, how are we going to express it? Mm. And this is actually where I, I actually love the idea of the uh, paracletos, the advocate, yeah. the lawyer. You're going, you're jumping. Sorry, I know, I know, I know, I know, and it's I know, so good. You, I, I just, just want to say, I just this is the link. I you keep going because I'm I'm no, like no. a horse going too fast. It's the only thing I just wanted to put what Paul, what Peter says in context of the previous two verses, which he says, "Who then will harm you if you become zealous for the good? But even if it should happen that you suffer on account of righteousness, you are blessed. Neither fear them nor be troubled." And then it jumps in, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give an explanation. And I think it's, it's important, and that's why I'm a little bummed we don't have those two verses. It's important to notice that Peter is saying these things right. in the context of opposition and persecution. You're right. going to get beat up. And he says even the way that it, linguistically, even the way he words those two lines, he says it like there's a certain grammatical rendering where you say things like, like a parable or like an adage or like, well, what goes up must come down or, you know, you know, just things that we're used to hearing. He words it grammatically like that, but then he takes like everybody, well, everybody knows, you know, it's like raining cats and dogs, like things that everybody knows, but he takes a way of formulating something everybody knows and say something that nobody knows. Oh yeah, when you're persecuted and all these, you're doing good. Yeah, of course you're going to get persecuted for that. Of course, when you do good and you're righteous and you're zealous, yeah, you're going to get the snot beat out of you. Right. And everyone's like, oh yeah, wait, what now? <laughs> and he's <laughs> so he's taking the form yeah. of an adage and he's turning the whole structure of the world upside down. Yeah, you expect that. You know what? The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. He's like, mm mm. That's actually not the way the gospel works. Christ has lifted up the lowly and cast down the mighty from their thrones. He's taking a page from Mary here, and this is now the way the world works, and this is what you need to know. Therefore, when you inevitably face all the stuff you're going to face, be ready to adapt to follow where the Holy Spirit is leading, to find where Jesus is and go there and act accordingly. Don't get freaked out. Don't act out of fear. Don't cower or get angry at, why is everybody out to get me? Find where the Holy Spirit is and act. And that, so again, I just want to note the context of that. It's not just dropping out of nowhere. Right. He's saying to a persecuted community, it's okay. Take a breath. Let's go. And that's, and that's and then where John gives you well, the means. Well, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the, this is the whole expression that I'm, um, I keep looking at and I'm trying to understand how, okay, the Holy Spirit, what is the activity of the Holy Spirit? Cause the Holy Spirit is quite 
mysterious to me. I mean, we, I don't get we say these things. We say, okay, here's somebody who's going to lead us into truth, who's going to defend us, who's going to actually um, uh, facilitate what you're saying. Look where the Spirit is and then move. By um, the way, Jesus is giving this particular instruction about the Holy Spirit during the Last Supper, right before he's going to go out to the Garden of Gethsemane with his apostles. And these are kind of his last words. He's like, all right, here's what you need to know. So that, right. that's important context too, I think. Right. So how do we prepare an explanation? Well, mm. it's, it's only in the midst of the activity of the Spirit because the, the things that are going to come are going to be so far beyond what we are used to and what Absolutely. we're expecting and, and have in our minds and our hearts. And so yeah. the essential thing to transform the natural material of our experience in the world has to come through the gift of the Spirit. What's going on over there? That's me. Everything's great. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, man. Everything's awesome. <laughs> we don't turn off. It's You're off. Funny. It's good now. <laughs> you, you, you crazy. Everything's fine. Yeah, everything's awesome. Be adapt. Be ready to adapt. <laughs> that's that's how we go. Yeah, um, yeah that's where. Um, that's where I love the idea that uh, what is the uh, effect of a lawyer? Because we're talking about it in, in this is the parakletos. And that's what a parakleto, yeah. Uh, and so, so it's one of the many meanings. One of the many meanings. But then, because okay, I keep coming back, is be prepared for an explanation for the hope that you find inside of you. Yes. So uh, prepare a defense. That's yeah, actually that's the, the, the ex word explanation is apologia, prepare a defense. How do we actually prepare a defense for what's going to be coming about within the world? And that's actually mm. only by the gift of the Spirit. Yes, we're inaugurated, mm. but then inside we have this uh, expression that makes us able to engage whatever comes our way through the one who gives us great counsel, who is always immediately with us. Well, here's what's kind of cool, again, linguistically. Scholars do not know exactly what to do with parakaleo because, again, different contexts and based on the way that Paul is using it here, or that uh, John is using it, I'm sorry. Um, in the legal sense, it can be used as a defense attorney or it can be used as the prosecution and split among scholars. He's like, no, it's, he's saying it's like a defense attorney so that we, he will argue on our behalf before God. And others are like, well, no, actually in this conjugation, it's as a prosecuting attorney and he is giving the explanation to the world. And, the, and they're like, exactly. And you're like, wow. it's all of it. It is the means through which we give the defense. And he actually is the defense at the same time. And he's all these things. I want to just say a quick word, the literal meaning. So it's used, Patakaleo is used in reference to law court and defense attor attorneys, right, in the, in the ancient world. But the word itself, parakaleo, um, literally means to call beside, or in better trans well, in, in some translations, it's to walk alongside. And that's actually my favorite understanding. There's so many, there's such a broad range of meanings. Yeah. But when, when you're suffering, or when you're afraid, or when you're kind of freaked out, or whatever, what do most people need most? Literally someone to walk beside them. And parakaleo means the walk beside her. -er. So he's, it's, it's saying, and Jesus about to go to the cross saying, it's going to get crazy right now. I've been telling you all these things. You don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But here's what you do need to know because eventually you're going to look back in hindsight and it is going to make sense. Right. So what I'm sending you is an advocate to defend you, to speak on your behalf, but also to walk alongside of you to call alongside and in Colossians. Well, here, but this, nope. this is funny. I was talking to, to uh, Father Sean and, and, uh, and it's, this is the unique period in time when we actually don't count confessions by the number of people that we've seen, but by the miles we've walked. Because we're not supposed to do it inside or in enclosed spaces. So we end, oh, up, right, we right. end up just walking with people. 
which is Paracaleoing really them. To Paracaleo. I actually think that this is yes. where the name Cletus comes from, by the way. <laughs> Cletus. Paracaletus. I wonder if it does. It could. Are you joking? Because it, it's yeah, legit. I, I mean, yeah, that, I, mean it could I am. Be. I am joking a little bit. <laughs> no, that's pretty good. Yep. This is my. This is my cousin Cletus. And my other cousin Cletus. And my other cousin Cletus. What is? <laughs> this is my brother Daryl. My, my other brother, brother Daryl. Yeah. yeah. Larry Daryl Daryl. Um, the only thing I was gonna say in in and it's the last thing I really have in the letter to the no, it's Second Corinthians. Sorry, in Second Corinthians, Paul uses this word to describe what the Holy Spirit has done to the Corinthian community. But he actually takes it a step further, and he kind of takes it for granted. He's like, "Look, you've been given the Parakaleo, you've been given the Advocate to walk alongside of you." And again, he's speaking to in Second Corinthians. This is again, I'm not trying to unpack too much here, but he's speaking to a group of Christians who are actually mocking Paul for suffering. Paul is suffering. He's getting beat up. And they're like, you know what? That kind of proves that you are not legit. Like, you're always beat up. You're shipwrecked. You're persecuted. You're sick. You're small. You're short. You're not well spoken. Like, you just stink. Paper like, tiger. Yeah, you don't really, you're not that impressive. And Paul's like, absolutely. He doesn't defend that. He says, absolutely right. And I am who I am because of the Holy Spirit. And he says, eventually you are going to suffer. And the Holy Spirit is there to walk alongside of you, to instruct you and advocate for you when you suffer, partially so that having been advocated for and having been walked with, you will actually understand as Christians how to walk with, how to parakaleo someone else through the gift of the Holy Spirit, because it's not to remain strictly a gift of the Holy Spirit that we don't then embody for the sake of others. So maybe you haven't suffered yet. Maybe you haven't hit that persecution or that moment of fear yet, but you will, he says. And when you do, you will have an advocate to walk beside you to teach you how to do it. If you actually want to embody the life of Christ, then you can go parakaleo other people. Mm. And that's the way Paul says this whole thing is supposed to work. So when you see me suffering, maybe you should see something than what a wuss, what a, you know, what a bonehead. He's just getting beat up all the time. And there's, you know, this reference back to first Peter, not explicitly, but the whole structure of the world has changed you guys. And all is not what meets the eye and what you see and what you are freaked out by and what seems to be the case of things being thrown at you. There's so much behind that, that you cannot see that God is moving behind. And so when we cower to fear, it is the simple acknowledgement that I don't really believe God is behind it or moving in some way that he's given me the equipment to adjust and actually walk with him. I think it's so fascinating that we began this podcast um, today about how when problems arise within the church, mm. the church ends up growing. Absolutely. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, Tertullian. So what ends up happening is that um, as the Holy Spirit is walking alongside of us mm. and as we're encountering these, these massive difficulties, then we're actually being, uh, if we allow this in, in those, in those moments, then what ends up happening for us is that it's trans that fear is transformed into reverence. Mm. That that fear is transformed into awe because because isn't that the case when when I encounter really difficult stuff in my life I'm tore up I in the middle of the night I'm like oh no I wake up and my, my dad calls it doing dawn patrol, dawn patrol yeah. I start to get uh, messed up but then it's and those moments are always usually profoundly lonely right right those are the moments that we feel most alone that nobody can help nobody can get me out of this. 
which is the opposite of what parakaleo is. Right. And, that's, and that freaks me out. I'm like, oh, I'm alone. I've got no one. It's the middle of the night. It's dark. It's lonely. I've been, I've been shipwrecked. I've been stoned. Yeah. I've been, I've, I have all of these right. things, but then, but then the transformation that ends up taking place through it, if we allow the advocacy of the Holy Spirit mm. is, is really the essence of us trying to figure out our lives in, in, yeah. in Christ. And that's, that's a really, um, it's a really powerful and beautiful thing, but it's, it's hard to allow our spirits to get to that. I think about yeah. this right now because where are we in the world? Choose, choose your own adventure on what is <laughs> going to freak you out. Is it, take your pick. Yeah, take it. E- economy, politics. Murder hornets. Murder hornets. <laughs> you haven't heard about the murder hornets. I have. Yeah, difference. yeah, yeah. But people are killing bees because of the murder I mean, take hornets your pick, or whatever. Though. But yeah, again, yeah. the point is, like, take your pick. Right. Take your pick. <laughs> There's so many gigantic things that are happening in the in the world scene. That um, are we going to invite the Holy Spirit to transform what is afraid inside of us to be the transformative effect? Because uh, for mm. us. We actually are meant to cry mm. out to the Spirit, like in the psalm, even yeah, enjoy to right. say, ah, I am so excited to see what you're going to be able to arise from this. Yes, that's, that's a really, really profoundly difficult thing to accomplish and to manage. And it's where hindsight is, is our, only, our only friend here, because we can look back and be, this is the whole point of doing what we do. This is the whole point of salvation history. Right. It's saying you can trust in this because look, this has happened before, something similar, and look at how God actually worked then. There's precedent for this. Right. So yes, I know you feel alone, but historically speaking, you're not. And that's always comforting, I think. I mean, for you. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, I mean, it is on, man. <laughs> profoundly comforting to know that, yeah. that we have a walk-alongsider. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said... Um, it's Mary Harmon. She was like, prosecutor, defense attorney, walker alongside of her. It sounds a lot like a mom, which is kind of a beautiful image in a certain yeah, sense, right? Absolutely. That we have, even just the fact that we have a reference point, we're like, oh yeah, I can, I, I get some semblance of that. Like I've, I've experienced that. That's right. what God wants to give me. Wow. I mean, that's, right. that's what Jesus is getting at. Well, Ugh. friends, um, are there any uh, shout-outs at ah, the end all of this of podcast? I just want to say hi to Kitty from the UK. We got John over in South Carolina. Um, Susan's in Austin, Texas. We got Mark in Cincinnati. Anna's in Denver. Another Sarah from Toronto. Richland, Washington. That's Mary. Um, and a whole bunch of others. I don't. Everyone likes the bow tie. Thanks. It was a risk. I don't really do the bow tie, but I figured, you know what? I've been in sweats for the last two months, so... I'm going to put on a bow tie. <laughs> yeah. And now all I want to do, to be honest with you, now the podcast is wrapping up, I just want my sweats back. The, I, um, I have to say that I actually bought sweats <laughs> just because of this, I, don't, I, I don't have sweats. And I was like, man, I need, I I need something know, to comfort me in this, in this time. Just, <laughs> so the sweats parakaleoed you. Because Paul does call him the comforter sometimes. The comforter. Mm. Um, I almost and they one. walk because they're pants. Yeah, yeah. They walk with you. They walk, walk with, with you. Oh. <gasps> So the Holy Spirit the is... The pants a, of God. The pants of God. Thanks for that right at the end. You bet, man. beautiful Anything uh, for you. Um, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in and to being able to be yes. with us and to ex- experience this podcast uh, in a live way. Um, uh, thanks for struggling through the technical issues at the beginning live stream. I, I, I was I have my merit badge, but it doesn't mean that um, I uh, am always good. It's uh, hard to run a production company. Once you, you know? got your merit badge, you let your guard down. 
So you're like, I already got the badge. Right. And it's I, like getting tenure. I should have, um, I should have uh, uh, let the Holy Spirit in a little bit more. I Sometimes I just try to take it on in myself. But then... Um, uh, for those of you who like supporting the the podcast, uh, we do. Uh, there's a little bit of a ghetto uh, setup that we have. I mean, that like we, we could use a couple of extra tripods and a couple of, of different things for our live streaming setup. So if if you feel like uh, donating, we really could use that. Um, uh, Scott, I, I had Scott use his uh, his uh, own his webcam, and it's terrible. So. You know, it's a good webcam. I'm just you kidding. were impressed by it. And to impress you technologically is a big deal. I know. If you can see, there's like a tripod that we just like oh, yeah, there it taped is. something. And I have like a, <laughs> mic, a mic stand with another thing. And things are just... So it's it would right. be awesome. But you can also support our ministry. Yeah. Um, our ministry is, uh, is doing phenomenal things. Scott's classes. Uh, what's cool is we're ambidextrous now. We are in-person and... Um, virtual and uh, and I think that we're this we're is just the embodiment in, of that you and I right now yeah, exactly in person and virtual yeah so yeah I also just want to say I mean I we would love the support we truly would and and we want to build and keep this ministry sustained um, but also wherever you are please do support our ministry but wherever you are um, do think of your local parish and I know there's a whole lot of parishes out there that you know without collections being taken. I think it's easy to forget the priests and the ministers and all the people who are doing the hard work in the parishes. So please, um, if you feel so moved, if you if you have the capability, please remember your local parish. Remember our parish if you're local. But um, yeah, this is where the church all needs to rally. We need to adapt in certain ways. So yep. that's a, a encouragement for all of those churches across the country. Adapt, improvise, overcome. We're in a Matthias new and Corona. <laughs> that's their that's their yeah, catchphrase. Yeah, Matthias and Corona day. <laughs> so I love it. Uh, you guys enjoy. God bless you. We love you so much, and we're so thankful. You know where Matthias comes from, though. Where? After Judas um, commits suicide, after abandoning Jesus, the church says, "All right, we got to adapt. We need a twelfth. Oh, Guess who they go to? Matthias. Yeah, they go to Matthias. He's the adapt. He's the turn adapting. Yeah, that's weird. That's a weird way to say it. But anyway. It all comes together, man. It all comes together. Friends, so thankful that you're here with us. God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you again really soon. Thank you, guys. Farewell. Farewell, Facebook. Farewell. God bless you. The Word on the Hill podcast is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash AICT, and you can find the Lanky Guys podcast at lankyguys.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time.